From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more corner pocket. Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. So stop me if you've heard this one before. Sideways blinders. I can't What is up, everybody? It is Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, it is Tuesday. Tom Lang breaking things down with the Miami game coming up, as well as Corey and I just shooting the breeze, talking about the press conference that happened yesterday. Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. It's Tuesday. We said that already. It's Taco Tuesday all day, though, not just a lunch special all day long at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, as well as, uh, I think, $1.99 Coronas. I should probably check Ooh. that out, but I'm like 99.9% sure I'm going to trust my instinct. And, Corey, it's trivia, right? Tuesday's trivia? It is trivia. Tuesday trivia. Not sure if I'm going to be there or not, but uh, if I am, get ready because we're going to put on a show. All right, like uh, but, but not sure uh, if, we're, if I'm going to be there or not. But, yeah, I, I, I've said this before, but I always forget to partake in the Taco Tuesdays. I get my normals, my wings or my salad or something or my – my sandwich that I make into a wrap, and I forget about the tacos, but I think I'm going to do it this time, buddy. All right. Harder soft shell beef or chicken all day at the Corner mm. Pocket Bar and Grill. Hit the thumbs up button if you wouldn't mind, please, if you're listening to us on YouTube. Five-star rating and review on the Apple iOS stuff. Uh, look up Wake Up Board Channel on the podcast app. Hit the one on the right. Florida State taking on Miami. 7.30 ABC primetime national telecast. Next week, Syracuse, 8 p.m. Poor Ira. Yeah, man. How about that? Poor they nailed, They did it again. Oh, poor Ira, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't even I, – I might – I don't know what I would have done if I would have been assigned to go up to that game with Ira. I, I would have just sucked up and shut up and gone, but just come on. Come on, Charlotte. Come on, Greensboro. Help us out here. Uh, but we got Miami ahead of us here. Hope everybody had a great Halloween filled with Reese's Cups uh, and no Almond Joys and maybe some – candy corn i like candy corn but all right Corey. so Miami. i want everybody to know that i uh i turned off all my lights in my house because i didn't have any candy and uh who wants to deal with kids right i don't want to keep yeah. getting up i just yeah. had gallbladder surgery i ain't got time for this um so I, and i was in my bedroom uh watching my uh ipad I, i'm the lights off i'm somewhat scarred and traumatized almost i i was really excited when I got my house, when I moved into the house I was renting in Tallahassee, I never had a house, so I was always in an apartment. No one comes trick-or-treating in an apartment complex. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to put out pumpkins. I'm going to have, like, a big old bowl of candy. And early on, it was, like, 6 o'clock. It's duskish, and a couple parents with their little three or three four-year-old kid, trick-or-treat. Oh, adorable. Grab some candy. And then I remember, like, 9.30, 10 o'clock, I still had the light on because I still had some candy left. And... Middle school age kids mm. showed up, and it wasn't even trick or treat. It was just this aggressive grab at the bowl, and just, I mean, the little kid would just grab one piece of candy and put it in their bag and move on. I mean, these kids, it was like they were in a food desert and hadn't seen anything in ages, just grabbing all they could. And like, are you are do you are you gonna finish the? Can can we take all of it? I'm like, no, you can't take all of it. What's the matter with you? Seriously, so I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. So, 
Also, I'm getting the driveway paved, so I don't want anybody. Oh, there you go. That's a good excuse. I don't really have an excuse. At least you have a good excuse. Will Miami have a good excuse? Well, no, they're the underdog. Will Florida have a good excuse if they don't take down Miami Saturday? Florida State. Florida, Florida State. State oh, mean. my gosh. Did I say Florida? You did. I, I it's got, all right, buddy. I've got the uh, the hot mic clip in front of me on the screen. Yeah. So. Uh, things fun in Gainesville. Almost as fun as Auburn. So Auburn named Cadillac Williams as her interim coach. Love it. Yeah, man. I love it, too. That's awesome. That's going to be a fascinating uh, coaching search, man. There's some real names out there that they can go uh, throw a lot of money at. Carnell, Carnell, Cadillac Williams, interim coach at Auburn. Um, again, Florida, Florida State, get it right, Aslan. Nine and a half point favorites. I should check out my book. I saw it elsewhere. Nine and a half. I, was say, I think it might be dropping, buddy. I think it, once uh, Cristobal came out on Monday and said that they're optimistic about Van Dyke. Um, and that's the thing, man. If I, if Garcia was going to play, I thought nine and a half was too low. It's seven like, and a half right now. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. yeah. So it's dropping. Uh, which probably probably means that they're getting word that Van Dyke though Van Dyke's going to give it a go. Um, but yeah, man, I I thought if Garcia was going to play, I I thought the spread should have been fourteen or something. Like that's how bad that offense has looked. Um, you know, he had five turnovers and the blowout loss at home to Duke, and then went on the road and didn't put up a touchdown. So when and then you have one of the best offenses in the country rolling into your stadium, even if you defend them pretty well, you got to assume Florida State's going to put somewhere up in the mid twenties if they don't even if they don't play all that well. And that would be enough. That would be more than enough against a Jake Garcia-led offense, I would think. What was uh, some of your bigger takeaways then from what we heard from the coordinators? I guess we would obviously start off with Mike Norvell. Um, what what caught your ear about? Uh, I mean, I think the fact that he he seems so steadfast and confident. They're like, yeah, we're preparing for Tyler Van Dyke. I was like, whoa, really? I mean, I thought the prognosis was th- was three weeks. They were saying down there from Kane Sport, and we're not three weeks after that injury against Duke, so. Uh, that kind of was the, the biggest thing I took away, but at least that's from the the, the opposition. Anything Florida State centric that the head coach said about his team that you found interesting, Corey, or most interesting? Yeah, it's all interesting, Aslan. Come on, um, uh, you know, talking about you know, I I just I wanted, to, and I was the one that asked a lot about Jordan Travis because it just you know we saw what happened on the sidelines at NC State. Um, he just. And then uh, what happened uh, Saturday with the uh, with the timeouts when they were on the red zone uh, on the goal line before they ended up giving the ball away? Um, he's just so demonstrative, much yeah. more so than I ever remember him being. Right? Passion. Am I am I imagining this? Uh, demonstrative like has like a negative connotation, like animated maybe, but even if it has maybe a negative connotation. But yeah, he's he is outwardly displaying his emotions and the amount of sort of give a damn. That he has, it's cool. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. We're not being critical. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of growing up when you would see like, it, but that's you know I don't know that he's doing this, but like Dan Marino and Dan Fouts would just scream down there as well. Tom Brady does it. They scream down his teammates. Um, is Jordan Travis kind of graduating to that kind of quarterback? Because I I'm all for it, man. Yeah, I think it's a big deal when 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 quarterbacks hold, especially really good ones, hold their teammates accountable. Um, and I just I feel like there's something different about the way he's played these last few games. And so I asked uh, Norvell and Alex Atkins about that. But Norvell was like, yeah, because Norvell talked about how he practiced angry last week after the NC State game. He practiced like it seemed like he was angry, which I think is probably good. I mean, it turned out to be a pretty darn good game for Jordan Travis. So maybe, and, he, and he practiced really well last week. So it's like and I know after the game, he said, I'm not I don't want to lose another football game this season. Yep. So that man. To take the ownership, and that's what Norvell talked about, is and Atkins too, is ownership 
of of his job, his role, this offense. You know, I, I just think two years ago when they went down there to Miami, and Jordan Travis played in that game. I think he took some snaps at quarterback. He was a receiver running reverse. They had him at running back throwing passes. But that wasn't his offense, man. And he, th- those teammates, I don't think they believed in him, and I don't know if he believed in himself. Two weeks later against Jacksonville State, maybe it was the next week, um, he's the star- he becomes the starting quarterback. And I don't remember even that year in 2020 or the first portions of 2021 I just don't know that like he had that part of the quarterback job down where it was like, okay, yeah, it's, it's one thing to make plays and score points. That's great, but there's more to that position. You're a leader. You're the leader. You're the face of the program, man. You and Mike Norvell are the face of the team. And it's almost as if, uh, and in a good way, the weight of the he feels the weight of the season on him and the weight of expectations are on him. And he doesn't want to disappoint himself, his teammates, whatever. And I feel like that's made him ultra competitive. And that's awesome. Now, you don't want him to make mistakes. You don't want him to get too hyped up. But I just, for for whatever reason, it was like that that game at NC State, the one they gave away, I just saw it seemed like that was a different kid that we had never seen before, ever. Yeah. And then you see him screaming. I, he might have been screaming at Norvell. After they had to call a timeout again because somebody wasn't on the field or somebody wasn't lined up in the right spot, he was legitimately angry at his coaches or the sideline or the players. And it's like, yeah, man, this it. You don't have to just be there and like, ah, throw your hands up. Like, ah, what are you gonna do? Timeout. We'll fix it. Like, you put a lot into this. He's invested a ton into this team and this program, and it's good that it bothers them when they make mistakes because they do make mistakes. And I think that's a really good place to be when your quarterback, who's really good starts taking that kind of a uh, kind of accountability. Any fear that he's going to maybe put too much pressure on himself? I feel like he he had that confidence and listen, I've never been more confident in my life or my career going into the LSU game. We saw how good he played early on in that game. Um, you know, I I think like he's he continues to try to kind of push himself and embrace and become more assertive into that sort of maybe, you know, looking at a Tom Brady, looking at these guys that take you know real accountability over their guys and and they 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 can they've earned it they have equity maybe he's he finally feels that any concern that he's going to try and there's that line of pressing or do we feel that he's played enough football he's been enough situations he knows how to manage that sort of even keel uh, level you have to be at normally I would say yeah like because I thought the the best game he played last year was at North Carolina and he was all smiles the whole game Looked like it was kind of carefree and loose and whatever. But since that NC State game, you know, I, I know that we can say that he, he didn't have a perfect game against Clemson by any means, but he accounted for three touchdowns and what is it, 320 yards of offense. Hmm. And then the next week, he accounted for 390 yards of offense and three more touchdowns. Um, that So with no, no interceptions. That, to me, coming off that NC State game and how – demoralizing that must be for him, right? Like, we we were all upset by it. You guys listening were upset by it. Imagine being Jordan Travis. Like, he's the one that threw the pick that lost them the game. And it wasn't a good decision. Um, and he did not play well in the second half. Um, and for, for him to suffer that for that for two weeks, or sorry, a week going into that Clemson game, and then I thought he played well against Clemson. Not perfect. Who does? It's Clemson. But 300 yards of total offense against that defense – uh, three touchdowns. That's good. That's a good performance. And then next week, I thought he was even better. Like, you know, he was 24 of 38. 
He had at least four drops, including two for touchdowns. Um, man, he played exceptional in the pocket against Georgia Tech. So, no, I normally I would. Normally I'd be like, man, I like the kid that kind of, I don't want him to be too tight and too high, you know, too high strung and melting down and, and, you know, being like James Blackman did in the bowl game. But he's, he didn't sh he hasn't shown that the last two weeks. You know, he's shown that he's, he can handle it. And maybe he's about to take an, even another big, maybe not a big jump, but another jump in performance. Because, again, man, did you, at any time in that Georgia Tech game, did you feel like when he dropped back, he was going to make a poor throw or a poor decision? No. I mean, he just no. seems like he's, he's, in, he's so comfortable with everything that's going on. Um, and I, I think it's, he's almost to the point now, Aslan, where we kind of overlook it. Like, yeah, Jordan just had a good game. Yeah, that's what he does. It's like, yeah, man, I, that's a big deal. You're going into that game on Saturday night with, a, with the best quarterback on the team, with the best quarterback on the field. Maybe one of the five or ten best quarterbacks in the country. That should give you confidence because that kid seems to have a ton of confidence in himself right now. All right, ten. I'll say ten. Maybe one of, one of the best ten. I don't know about five. Hey, who are you putting ahead of him? Bo Nix? Yeah. Bo you don't Nick. think Jordan would do all right in that offense with those nah. players? Nah, man, it's all. Bell, I guess you bro. could say, hey, I, he didn't with Dilly last year, did he? <laughs> it's like he didn't. Well, he wasn't throwing. Uh, Bo Nix ain't throwing to Andrew Parchment. Yeah, uh, he was. He actually, according to Pro Football Folks, was given the S against Miami, so he apparently started that game. But yeah, he graded out at thirty nine point eight. Uh, and his Who, numbers Jordan? now, yeah, Jordan, yeah, and this. Well, he had like a crazy. Snaps. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I mean, we realized it was it was insane. Their head coach wasn't there and. Yeah, yeah, it was nuts. But I, I mean, think he had the the worst play he had was like a crazy throwback sack fumble. Yeah, yeah. you remember that some yeah. weird thing where he got sacked and fumbled twenty yards downfield. Just a really bizarre way they were using him. Yeah, I. It's just so hard to figure out consensus for me. Uh, one man building consensus within himself and all the voices battling inside his head about just how good Jordan is because I mean you look at the number of him he's 91.1 offensively graded on PFF he's 90.4 as a passer what is he do do what he is uh quarterback rating in the by PFF in the country uh, I'm not there I'm on I'm on a different oh, screen well jeez, I'll do it then you right. keep talking it, because he can look amazing I mean he looked amazing against Boston College he you know we're, I would talk about how are you going to defend this guy? How do you defend this offense for 60 minutes? Georgia Tech got a piece of it. But kind of sandwiched in there, we, we saw the moments. And listen, man, no one's perfect, man. Bryce Young's got bad bad stretches. Um, C.J. Stroud has bad stretches. Um, you know, my guy Max Duggan, bad stretches. This happens to all these guys. But I, I wonder what will happen when the coverage holds up downfield, when there's the pressure in his face, because when he's on rhythm and on time, and again, man, when the play is drawn up as is, and this is read number one, if not, go here, go here, go here. It goes through his progressions. Yeah, man, he's one of the top five, ten quarterbacks in the country. But when things aren't there, I, I wonder if that's the next big step now because you know there were, we did see him play with a good amount of poise against Clemson, which is much more talented on, on the defense than than Miami is, but you're at home in that game. I just think this Miami game is going to tell us so much, really. Kind of a, a line in the sand has been drawn right now that you can you can hope and and just Florida State gives you so much good feelings about what this offense can be at times. But then you also, 
are tempered by bad first halves against Wake Forest, a bad first half against Clemson, a bad second half against NC State, which, hey, man, again, as I said, it happens to the best of them. But let's now see high-stakes game on the road. It maybe not all work, but then you figure out a way to, to, to make it all sort of connect the dots and, and, and execute really high. Uh, I mean, this game, I think, will go a long way to, to silencing any sort of doubt around Jordan Travis once and for all. Not that there's a lot, right? I think most of it's I was going to say, I can't, um, there, there can't be much, right? I, I know that people are upset with the way the NC State game ended. And I get it. And I know when you watch every play a quarterback has in a season, you know, what, what I'm looking at it right now. I don't know how many he's had. 254 dropbacks this year. So he's probably been on the field for 450 plays. 490. Well, so so five, almost 500 plays. Well, yeah, man, there's probably 10% of those he's fouled up. So that's 50 plays right there you can pick to, or 45 plays you can pick to. They're like, well, yeah, he did that wrong. He did that. Well, yeah, man, they all do. You know, Jimbo used to say that all the time. Like, quarterbacks have to make a decision on every play. Mm-hmm. 80 snaps a game. Yes, they are going to make mistakes. They are going to make mistakes. But, yeah, man. So I'm looking at it now, Aslan. He is the fifth highest rated quarterback in the country. He's behind Drake May, Hendon Hooker, Curtis Rourke from Ohio. Okay, okay, Rourke, I CR, see you. CR, yeah, I don't know what draft class you are, but maybe you might be coming to Tallahassee here soon. You're not going to want to be in Ohio forever. Bryce Young is fourth. Jordan Travis is fifth. Caleb Williams is sixth. Cam Rising at Utah is tenth. Um, I don't, Stetson Bennett's, I don't even see where uh, Stroud is. So he's, according to Pro Football Focus, and we put a lot of stock in those numbers, he has been the fifth best quarterback in the country. He's been the third best throwing quarterback in the country. His passing numbers are the third best in the country. Now, but the point of what I'm saying here is I know you guys can point to moments and and games and stretches where you're like, man, Jordan hadn't played really well. Yeah, no, that happens. That happens, man. Like, you know, I was going to say, DJ yeah, Stewart do, struck out. Yeah, you know, but yeah. go throw four incompletions in a row against Boston College when the game is over. Like, again, man, like the crucial moments in the, well, in the bigger that's, games. That's, NC State's a good defense, though. They have something to do with it, too. And, and Clemson's a good defense. So you're going to make, they're going to make you, force you into mistakes. Yes. Yeah. All right. That, that about, happens. Yeah, so there's been so, three games. Now let's, now let's figure out a way. And that, and that crucial moment against Miami, third and seven, when you're up by four or something right. crazy in the, in the fourth quarter, let's. Let's put the foot on the throat. Agreed. Agreed. On the road. Uh, On the road. Yeah. On the whole, uh, Jordan Travis has been very good this year. He's certainly been better than we could have ever dreamed he was going to be. Um, So, that said, you got four games left to play this thing out. And I I, I think, like you were saying, I think it's past the point where people doubt Jordan Travis, or they, they shouldn't anyway. I mean, again, he's, by every measure, he's been one of the better quarterbacks in the country. The problem is, is they're still terrible at fourth down. They, I guess they went one for two in that game, so their percentage went up. Um, and then they're, they had the horrible red zone trip to start that game. Now, that's not on Jordan Travis necessarily, but, you know, there's little things. Like, the, like we talked about yesterday, the throw to Daniel down the sideline. That's a catchable ball. I'm going to need you to make that catch. It wasn't a great throw. Put it on his numbers. You know who you're throwing to. That kid doesn't have a, hor- a, a, a crazy catch radius. Put it on his chest and make that throw. Uh, there's some other throws down the middle of the field. Uh, Johnny Wilson against Clemson, I think. Deuce Span against Georgia Tech, where he's not he's not hitting the deep ball down the middle of the field like you'd like. But by and large, he's been you know he's been very good. And you and you have the best quarterback uh, going into that game. And I just think he, I I thought because he had such an odd career, right? He started at Louisville. Florida State did. He was lifelong Florida State fan, but Florida State didn't want him. He goes to Louisville. He transfers here, but nobody cares. 
most notably his head coach. Um, he doesn't get any playing time until Taggart leaves, and then he becomes just a runner. And then 2020, he's an afterthought. It's going to be the it's James Blackman's team. Um, and then Jordan Travis has to come in, or the, one of the freshmen, Chubba. It was going to be Chubba to come save the day. I just feel like now he's finally, finally taken ownership of what he is and how good he can be and what he means to this team. And he's taken that quarterback job very, very seriously, which we'll see. I, I think it's really good. I've been encouraged by the way he's played after, as you said, the, a little bit of animation on the, uh, on the sidelines at NC State and, and animated uh, out of those timeouts. Uh, but yeah, so I, I asked Atkins and I asked Norvell about Travis just because I'll probably write on something that this week about he, he, he just seems a little different to me. But it's not, it's not like it's not going well for him. He's played really well these last two weeks, of my, last two games, in my opinion, uh, since kind of becoming a little more animated. Yeah, he's gone from like Hulk Hogan to Hollywood Hogan. He's gone heel, not complete heel. He's term, a villain. A yeah. He's a villain, yeah. Dude, I can't wait. He's going gonna to be flipping it upside down <laughs> you. He's going to be doing that, like the sad face, like the kid at the basketball yeah. game. Like he's going to be doing all that, man. Kaysen, I think the kid's name was Kaysen. The, the kid from Duke did the best Miami. Tr- I mean, we always do the. The you upside down thing. If you're a Florida State fan, you know there's the photo of Jermaine Johnson doing it last year. But he he did like the diamond cutter, like Dallas Diamond Dallas Page, where the kid from Duke put the U above his head and then threw his hands down over his knee and like broke the U yeah. over his knee. It was a it was baller from a dude from Durham. I yeah, loved man, it. That was that was the best one. That's the best thing anybody's done with it because it's now it's kind of tired to do the the upside down you he really put a his stamp on it that was the best one that's the best anti-miami celebration i think i've seen yeah moving on to the defense now adam fuller uh, gives out the big candy bars apparently on halloween won't disclose his address for next year kids but uh do some scouting on that he really didn't want to answer that question he didn't he didn't want to answer the thanksgiving question last year either so it's our thing it's our little yeah that's what y'all yeah yeah, I like I like the back and forth you guys have. Yeah. But Pooches too. I'm like, you know, like he thought I was asking like if he's actually going to go out trick or treating. I just want to know like who makes the decision at home. Like, do you have the wife? Like, here's a hundred bucks, babe. Go get us candy, or do you say, babe, go buy us Kit Kats, Reese's cups, mm. and nothing else? But anyhow, uh, these guys got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, Papuchas was very on point and said, look, we got kind of a big game this week, so I'm not going to be I'm not going to be rushing home to do the uh, the Halloween stuff. So we understand, we get it. it is a big game. It's five and three. Florida State taking on four and four, man. If this was live a little, John. Come on, yeah, you you only live once, buddy. If this Go 90, enjoy Halloween. It's just ninety three. Your guy wouldn't be asking silly questions, but sometimes mm. it's fun to. To see a peek behind the curtain a little bit, if you will. Um, you know, now that we kind of have an idea possibly that Tyler Van Dyke will start or play a significant part of this game, perhaps that's the plan for Miami. Uh, maybe it makes the question a little bit less relevant, but it's always hard to talk to a coach about playing a team that's struggling because they don't want to jinx it. They don't want to sound disrespectful. They don't want to provide bulletin board material. But with the way that Miami has been playing of late, and you know, Van Dyke had good numbers against Virginia Tech, but they they weren't producing all that great. Uh, he goes down first half against Duke, and then the wheels completely come off. Uh, in Charlottesville, again, they don't score a touchdown. They play in four overtimes and are not able to score a touchdown, even when the ball is moved to the two yard line or whatever. In overtimes, three and four. Um, you know, like I, I I don't know how often Florida State lines up other than maybe Boston College and Georgia Tech, especially Georgia Tech with their outmatched offense. And, I mean, Boston College lost to UConn last week, so what's what's going up in Boston mm. right now? Boy. But, I mean, 
it is still Miami. I understand, man. There, there's a level of a modicum of respect and just being a rational human being. They're like, yeah, we're not going to go down there and push these dudes around. But hasn't Miami played? I mean, have they not produced at a level where I talk about wanting to see Jordan make another step? And that's that's pushing it really. Like I, I want him to bash his head on his ceiling almost. But this defense, I don't know where their ceiling is. But should this not be a game where they go down and and really? I don't want to say physically outman a Miami team, but man, if if Miami's not scoring against Virginia and struggling against Virginia Tech, can this be the opportunity for this defense, Corey, to like dictate terms to the opposition? You had your two best defensive players um, are Fabian Lovett and Jared Verse. They're both coming off a game where they played twenty five snaps. Um, you have to imagine you double that this week. That is not a good offensive line at all that Miami has. Uh, so. That is where you feel like, okay, you can you can dominate. If you can dominate up front and not let them run the ball, which is what they'll try to do, but if you're not giving up 150, 170, 200 yards rushing up the middle because you got your guys back now and they're getting healthy, yeah, man, I, I think you should, you, you should control that game on defense. Like, you're going to give up plays because you don't have a bunch of Deons and Buckleys and Telvin Smith's running around. They're going to make some plays, and they got a, the Colby Lewis kid is a good receiver. Um, their tight end is good. So they're going to make some plays downfield, especially if uh, Van Dyke is, is in the game. But I don't know, man. Boston College and Georgia Tech, are they the only two teams that Florida State's played that has a worst, defense, worst offense? Wouldn't you say? That count? Right, yeah, I power five-wise. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Louisville can mess around and score points despite Absolutely. struggling. Hey, hey, ask those Demon Deacons, baby, especially yeah. you give them the ball eight times and a half. Um, that's crazy, man, by the way. We didn't even talk about that. Six turnovers in a quarter? I mean, that has to be a record, right? Did we confirm that? My brother said that, and I put in the group text, but I don't. I never confirmed it, but my brother usually I would just think, how many times do you even get six possessions in a quarter? That equates to 24 in a game. Yeah. So that's a ton of possessions, and to turn it over each time you get it. I can't imagine somebody having the ball seven times in a quarter and turning it over seven times. Um, so I, I, I feel like that's got to be an NCAA record. It's certainly an ACC record. Um, but, yeah, man, that's that's crazy. And it just shows you that's that's the whole thing is like that's what – to completely get off point, what bothers you so much about the NC State loss, coming back to that, because I'm always going to bring that up, folks. I'm, not, I'm never forgetting that, is that you gave that one away. You played. You were the better team, and you just handed them the game. And because there might be a crazy game in these next four, where for the gods are against you, and you somehow turn it over six times in a quarter, you're not winning that game. Clearly, you're going to get blown out if you turn if you have a meltdown like that, and the ball just keeps coming out of. So that's why you want to win the games where you're in position to win, and you're the better team. Anyway, but uh, getting back to the defense, um, yeah, man, I. I that again, when we go back to that Clemson game, the reason I was so disappointed is because that Clemson team doesn't have a very good offense. Yeah. And you made them look pretty darn good. So don't go do the same thing this time. They are going to score a touchdown or two. Clear. I mean, they just, they will. Georgia Tech did. Um, by the way, I thought that was odd, right? That answer that Fuller gave on the, the touchdown that they had <laughs> at the start of the second half. <laughs> what he's like. Yeah, obviously, we don't want them to score. That would not, that no, not the... that. It was like, I empower our guys oh. to make. Yeah, I, I empower that? them to make reads and make plays, and it was like a, a matchup coverage thing um, that I guess they got wrong. I thought he was just going to say Jamie Robinson got picked off trying to cover that guy, but I think he won. the real answer is he, Jamie Robinson shouldn't have been going with that guy. 
Uh, but they made a mistake in their communication, and he he's like, but I empower them. I love these guys. They put in a lot of work. So I think Jamie made a mistake in declaring he was going to cover that man that that receiver one on one. It should have been more of a zone concept, and he decided to to go with him and got picked off, and we all saw what happened. But I mean, what what when you look at Miami, what they've done nine points against A and M. That was with Tyler Van Dyke, by the way. Correct. Um, eight turnovers against Duke. Part of that game was with Tyler Van Dyke. Uh -huh. 17 against North Carolina. That was all with Tyler Van Dyke, even though he threw for 400 yards. Um, what was this 17? last game? We're talking about 17 against. You said. You said about 17. Did, Where did that come against from? Against North Carolina, didn't they score 17 points? 24. They lost 27-24. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, so. Um, oh yeah, my bad. I thought it was 24-17. So when that, I think they scored a touchdown right there at the end when it didn't matter. Yeah. After they'd given up the field goal. So, um, that that. You, you can't then go down there and let them have a good day because they're a bad offense. You are a capable offense. You are a not a good offense. Pro, not a good, sorry, you are a capable defense. Uh, you're the, I mean, you're, you've got to be as good a defense as Virginia, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I know there's a, if Van Dyke's playing, it's different than Garcia's playing. I know it's at home. There's a more juice, but there's no excuse to be giving up anywhere in the neighborhood of 28 points in this game. The Florida State offense should have to the number they should have to get to to win this game is twenty four. Yeah, that's fair. So that that to me is so that if the defense plays like it should and it's got its guys back now and they're healthier and they're getting healthier um, and guys that can impact the game up front, I I think there's there's just no excuse. You just can't give them touchdowns and I mean like straight up fall down in coverage or lose a jump ball. Um, I mean, I can live with losing a jump ball. I can't. I can't live with missing an assignment and just running scot free. That kind of stuff. And that hasn't happened a ton, right? But it it it, it was it just. I don't know. I didn't see the Georgia Tech score. I was walking back from the hotel Indigo. What happened? Well, that was the uh, that was the Jamie Robinson play where okay. he's running. He's running with a receiver across the field. Another receiver is coming the opposite way and basically just uh, uh, shoulders him to the ground. Mm. It could have been called a, a pick, but they didn't. Uh, and so he's running so that so that that leaves him wide open on the on the right side of the field and okay. it was a walk-in touchdown. Um so so but that's what I'm talking about. You can't have those kind of mistakes. You can't you can't give them free points. If they go if they somehow go 13 plays, 80 yards, I know it's frustrating as a Florida State fan because it's oh here we go again. They can't get off the field on third down. They can't do that three or four times. But they can hit a 70-yard play a couple of times. Or they can, if you're just going to give a, uh, a running back a huge hole, he can go hit a 60-yard run. Or if you're going to let them just throw fades until they catch one of them, you know, you, you could give up some points that way. Just make it hard for them because they're not a good enough offense to consistently move the ball, pick up first down. At least they haven't all year been an offense that can move the ball consistently and go score. And by the time maybe they find some sort of rhythm, you might have 21 points on the board yourself and the game could feel like it's over. So... Just just start well. And don't let them score the first drive of the second half, Adam. Just don't do it. Whatever you have to do, man, just don't let them do it. For heaven's sake. You know sports and you pick winners all the time, so why not get paid for it? At MyBookie. MyBookie.ag has the biggest online selection of odds and contests for all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. Bet on the NFL, NCAA, maybe even the World Series. And swing for the fences with the new money bag. 
MyBookie's money back is a one-of-a-kind opportunity to spin for crazy odds on props and futures. Just place a bet, spin the wheel, and get ready to score epic odds on the best teams, athletes, and events. Sign up free today. Promo code WARCHANT gets you a deposit match dollar for dollar instantly of any amount up to 1000 Again, promo code WARCHANT to claim your deposit bonus and give yourself the competitive edge. It's not just a sports book. It's a community. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. MyBookie.ag, promo code WARCHANT. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. It's Tuesday. Tom's back, y'all. Shout out to Corey and myself for finally doing our job and getting Tom back on the show here. Tom, how are you, man? I'm doing well, guys. It's Miami week. Feel the extra pep in the step, and I enjoy the pep in the step. Georgia Tech at noon just doesn't do it like Miami at 7.30 on a Saturday night. Nine-and-a-half-point favorite Florida State over Miami. Uh, this is the good thing, I guess. I, I miss not having the romanticism in my heart, uh, Tom. I miss – I kind of have to manufacture some of the hate. Um, it's there in me, but, you know, it's like, eh, you know, life goes on. It used to not go on, but I, I don't want to overlook this Miami team. I, I think maybe what's kind of grounded me here a little bit in the last 24 hours or so is hearing Mike Norvell say they expect Tyler Van Dyke to play. Is that gamesmanship on Mike's part? Is that is that he's pulling a Dabo thing? Like, oh, they're going to have zero back, and then Fabian doesn't play, or uh, is that him just being meticulous and covering all the bases? And how much of an impact could Tyler Van Dyke make in your estimation of th- this game? Well, I wouldn't prepare a ton for Jake Garcia, given that their offense can't do anything with him at quarterback. So if you're going to be prepping the defense this week, uh, you might as well look at Van Dyke film because that's the better version of Miami's film. It might be gamesmanship, but I just think that's good business. Uh, for the defensive staff to be preparing for the best player possible. And then if not, you get a quarterback who had a tough time engineering anything last week against Virginia. If it wasn't for the free points, you get an overtime just by the nature where the ball is spotted. You're looking at a six spot for the Canes who crossed over midfield just one time in the second half against a Virginia program that's not good this year. So I think that's where it's probably at. I think, uh, but Cristobal did say that um, they're optimistic, right? I think he did say that about Van Dyke. So, yeah, I mean, you have to plan that he's going to play. But the good news is, is even when he's played, I know he had a couple of good games there or a couple of high yardage games. They're not scoring points no matter what he does. They don't score a ton of points. Um, And you can't imagine coming off an injury like that, which certainly looked like his throwing shoulder to me, that he is going to be 100% healthy. No, but again, I mean, Jake Garcia looks so horrible that anything would be an upgrade for them. And well, sure. I, I'm sure, you know, if he's going to go and it is his throwing arm, he'll, they'll figure out a way to have that thing close enough to 100%. Um, but on nine and a half, I know we're not the betting show, Tom, but it, it's Florida State, Miami. Like, it's, I don't know. I, I guess you could be, you could win by two scores and cover, and it, it could still be a close game. Or, I mean, I don't know. How, how do we see this kind of unfolding with the way Florida State played up and down against Georgia Tech and the way Miami's just been pretty stagnant? Uh, to downright poor uh, over the last five weeks. I mean, shoot the whole season, really. Yeah, I think it it starts with Miami's defensive front. That front four is good. Uh, It's the best segment on the team, I think. Um, I I saw a stat over the weekend from Sports Info Solutions that said 
that in terms of pressure rate with no blitzes, Miami's top five in the country at generating pressures without bringing extra bodies uh, to the fold. So, you know, if they can get Florida State's offense off the field or hold them to field goal attempts, that's the recipe for having a game linger around. The concern for the line, if you were ever going to play it, and I wouldn't touch this game, but if I did, it's what is Miami's offense going to do and how many points does the defense have to hold Florida State to in order for this game to be within touch? And I think that's going to be how it plays out on Saturday is does the offense handle situations better? How does the offensive line hold up against a crew that's pretty good at generating pressure without blitz packages? And can you get down the field and beat those corners if you can generate enough time uh, for, for Jordan Travis? So that's, I think, how it got there and arrived at that line. But if you're a Miami fan this week, all you're doing is focusing on the horrendous offense. I think for us this week up here in Tallahassee covering Florida State, it's just a focus of how good can Miami's defense be in a loud environment that they only get once every two years down there at Hard Rock. Tom, I think you and I are maybe a little bit closely more aligned on just the way that we process the Georgia Tech game. Um, obviously, I, I don't think you could you could still come back and beat Miami, even if you start slow like that, but not a good recipe. Um, so how do we process what happened against Georgia Tech? Uh, the fact that they did score over 40 points, the fact that they did hang over 600 yards on them. Uh, but that first quarter, just the, the situations – goal line, red zone. These are the moments that these rivalry games come down to. And it feels like Florida State still hasn't figured that out. Or is that too critical and not fair? No, I don't think it's too critical. And and I like it when we don't always see the game the same way or we have different takeaways or priorities of how we do our takeaways. That, that makes it more fun. And certainly we're not going to script something like that, like a morning show on ESPN would at, at 10 a.m. or Fox Sports 1. But I just I don't know that I learned a ton about this group this weekend because I already knew that between the twenties, they can handle business and they're an explosive offense. I was just hoping to see that on third downs and in the red zone, they looked a little bit sharper. Um, and they didn't at least early on in that game. And given that Georgia tech just wasn't going to move the football without you helping them with that backup quarterback in, you know, I, I was hoping to see a game in which Tate Rodemaker could play two quarters or, you know, maybe three series and AJ Duffy gets in for one. And, you know, the good news about that game is obviously you did go for, 600 plus yards. You did produce 40 points and also some film that can keep everybody's attention because every, every phase made some mistakes on Saturday. So some blowout wins, you play perfect and there's nothing you can learn off of it. There's plenty Corey and Aslan to learn about this. I think you guys would agree with that. Even if you were happy with the way that game played out and how dominant Florida state looked for stretches, I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah. And we, we talked about it on yesterday's show, but like what you should like about that game is yeah, the, the first the first two drives couldn't have gone worse. Um, well, no, they could have. They could have been three and outs. But aside from that, getting down to the one-yard line and doing what you did, the fourth down drop, um, when you're going forward on fourth down, and you drop that pass. But after that, they had a stretch, Tom and Aslan, where they converted eight straight third downs. They had a stretch. They didn't, they did not score in the red zone again. They were perfect after that first one. And for this team, we can roll your eyes and say, yeah, all right, yeah, they were five out of six. Well, that's better than they've been all year. So maybe they got that nonsense out of the way in the first quarter, and maybe they can build upon that. Like, they did respond yep. to an awful set, to, to playing situational situations poorly yet again. They did respond after that and just mow them down, just go up and down the field where Georgia Tech really had no answers. And they took advantage of the opportunities when they got inside the 20 and scored every time. So I thought that was encouraging, if nothing else. And there should I shouldn't say if nothing else, because, again, you did outgain them by 400 yards. 
it, I like that we're in a spot, and this isn't sarcasm. I, I do like that we're in a spot where there's hand wringing over a game in which you covered the spread and put put up more yardage than you put up in six years in a football game. That to me tells me that this program is going in the right direction. Um, but yes, you if you start slowly, and I wrote this in the column on on Saturday, if you give Miami a ten point swing when you're getting ready to score, and then instead you go give them three points on a ridiculous fumble. You're probably going to lose the game. You can't overcome that kind of stuff, but hopefully they're done with it. They've seen it. They've learned the lesson. As Alex Atkins said on Monday, they're learning some hard lessons, but they're hopefully the emphasis there is learning. And that you, when you get in these moments, because you're not going to go up and down the field against Miami, you're not going to score every time you have the ball. But when you give yourself an opportunity to score, take advantage of it now. Be a little more detail oriented. I just, it's, I, I, understand that Georgia Tech's defense has not looked that sort of uh, was unable to muster that kind of uh, resistance. They were overwhelmed. Yeah. You have an offense that overwhelms uh, mediocre defenses. That has not been the case here since 2013, where you just maybe 16 stretches of 16, where you straight up overwhelmed defenses. They were overwhelmed. They, they just, they had no answers. I think Florida State, and I don't say this like, like as a pejorative. I th I think Florida State is just a bully, man. I, I think when they have the opportunity, whether it's whether it's a Boston College or it's a Georgia Tech, man, they they will bully you. They will they will make you look silly. They will take the fight to you. But I don't know where on the spectrum Miami falls in terms of them. Be can you can you bully Miami? I mean, you you weren't able to bully Wake Forest. You weren't you weren't able to bully NC State. You weren't able to bully Clemson. I don't know if Miami's closer to those three teams, which are, I think they're all ranked still. I think NC State hung on because that MJ Morris kid might actually be a pretty decent quarterback. Um, but I don't know. I think Miami's probably closer on the spectrum to Boston College and Georgia Tech, but it is a rivalry game. It's just Florida State can can make you fall in love with what they can be against inferior opponents. But when they're going, you know, heads up against somebody that's kind of on their level, we start seeing things that they give us a little bit of pause and then, I mean, you've mentioned this before several weeks ago, Tom, about Florida State's reached a point now where I mean they've dug out of the hole. We know they're not going to only be competitive with, with teams. They can they can beat good football teams. So now every single moment in these games we're looking at this, we're projecting forward. Like, all right, so when Florida State does get those five star recruits, when they do get the top guys in the transfer portal, and they are playing a top five team, and they are down by three points in the fourth quarter, and it's fourth and two on the seven yard line. Like, will they be able to make the right plays? We're not there yet because it's a Miami team that's not even 500. But I think that's my concern is that they're, I don't think they're going to be able to bully Miami team. And they're going to be in crucial situations and games. There's going to be big third downs. There's going to be big fourth downs. They're going to have to convert. And I don't know, maybe to Corey's point, hopefully they got that out of their system against Georgia Tech. This this is going to be a real big indicator of just how much they've grown and how big of a bully they can be on the block in the conference, I feel, Tom. Yeah, I agree. And I think to Corey's point, this is all a conversation that you only can have if you've done a lot of hard work and improved as a football team. We, yes. we can't have this conversation unless Florida State is on a, is in a different place than it was a year ago or two years ago. And, and I'm glad to be having this conversation. I hope we have more advanced and pointed conversations in the next year or two because that means that you're, the difference that you're splitting is between a 10-win season and a, and a single-digit win season. The best of what Florida State can do right now is nightmarish for defensive coordinators. There's no question about that. The quarterback is way better at throwing the football than he was a year ago. Those receivers are playmakers. You do have real playmakers at receiver. 
and they're really good at scheming up explosive plays in the run game, even if they're not consistently winning at the line of scrimmage. But the one thing I will say is, even in that stretch of three games that you lose against ranked opponents, in terms of yards per play and at the line of scrimmage, Florida State won those games in terms of consistency of efficiency. It's just, it's down to those situations. So is this the final step in the process for Florida State to cross into a completely different place in the eyes of anybody who's a fan covering it locally or covering it nationally? Is that the final step that you succeed more in those situations? And if so, can they do it sooner than later? Because they're at a critical time for the program right now. This month is huge. You're going against an in-state rival with a first-year head coach who's still pulling down really good recruits despite awful results in year one, especially on the offensive side of the football. And you'll be doing the same thing against Billy Napier and Florida, having a down year in his first year, but he's still got the new car smell too. You've got to take advantage of this situation right here, right now. So I think that's why we all have the urgency in, uh, urgency in our voices. We're making these points. It's a critical moment. Yeah, I would say this is the, uh, you know, I said, basically, I, I, I said last week that if Norvell lost to Georgia Tech, that would be a wrap. Uh, and I think we would all agree with that. Like, you couldn't, he loses his first game of his career to Georgia Tech, and then two years later, he's losing to him again. Well, he made that, uh, you know, he the, that team proved it moot by just dominating that team. I'm not to that point with this game, but we'll see how it plays out and how it shakes out. But you have no excuse to lose this game. None. You are a better team than them. I think Florida State, I said this yesterday, Tom, I don't know if you agree with me. When you took look in totality of what their efficiency rankings, where they are on total offense, where they are on total defense, um, the yardage they put up, I think they might be the best three-loss team in the country. And I know that's like being the most honest man in prison. Great, you're still in prison. You've still, Yeah, I get it. you still got three losses. But, um, man, I think they're a good team. Yep. I think they're a good team. And they need to go prove it. They need to go prove it. Yeah, their last two wins are against Georgia Tech and Boston College, the two, two of the worst teams in this conference. Miami won't be much different. If, if you beat Miami, would, would that be their fifth loss, sixth yes. loss, whatever it would be? Miami's yes. not good either, but yes. I think you could prove something to the state, and you could prove something um, to your fans, maybe even your own players, that, okay, this thing is officially turned around now. Like, there, you'd be 6-3, and three, it'd be two straight wins over Miami, it'd be your best road win, probably, just because of the environment and the rivalry, and you do what you're supposed to do. There's a reason you're favored. There's a reason you're a top 15 offense in this country. Go down and play like it. Play like it. And go go beat that team and and um don't have it come down to the final two minutes. Have the game be over. I think they're much that much better than that team that they should do that, but rivalry games are weird and who knows. But at any rate, going back to your your point, I absolutely think this is a critical month. I'm to the point with the way they looked Saturday, really the way they looked all year, except for uh you know, second quarter against Wake and a second half against NC State, there's no excuse not to win out. I know college football's goofy. I know it's hard to win every Saturday. I get it. But I think they're better than every team they're going to play. And I think they're going to have the best quarterback in every game they play. Their offense is moving up on the down the field on everyone. There's no excuse to not go 4-0 this month. None, really. I mean, it, it, save for like five block punts or something crazy that happens. You should you should win these games, and you shouldn't be afraid as a Florida State fan to expect them to win these games, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's probably why I was focusing more on the negatives of a blowout win with Georgia Tech because this is a big moment, and those things can't happen. Even though you're much better, especially if Miami doesn't have their quarterback, even though you're much better than Miami overall as a football team, if you do that kind of stuff, they're within the margin 
to make that interesting or be ahead in, at key moments late in the game. Syracuse the same way. Now they've got injury concerns. We'll see what that game looks like and what their injury report looks like in a week. But still, you can you can mess up a lot against Georgia Tech and get away with it. And so if they play clean, yes, I totally agree. They should and they will go undefeated if they play clean in situations. From I'm not even off. sure they have to play. They don't have to play crystal clean. They're not playing the Cowboys and the Giants. Like, I, I know you just said, like, it's going to be harder. Like, nobody's going to be as bad as Georgia Tech left. But you're never going to play a clean game, right? That just doesn't right. happen. If you play the majority of it clean and don't just kill yourself with nonsense, that you don't have to be perfect to beat these teams, I guess, right? Correct. Yeah, that's a good clarification. I'm not saying that they have to go the red zone, six possessions, six touchdowns. I mean, it's nothing crazy like that, or they don't have to go 12 of 12 on third down. They but, didn't have to be perfect to beat Wake Forest or NC State, and they right. weren't, though, man. That's that's the thing. I mean, I get it, Corey. And, and this, this team is so helter-skelter because what you're saying is right. They might be the best three-loss team in the country, if not for this half and that play. But, I mean, can't every other three-loss team that's behind us probably say the same thing? This, this game, man, there's going to be those moments and this is a four and four team, man. We're not even a. This is not even a ranked barometer test. This is not. This is not Death Valley. This is not Death Valley in Baton Rouge, man. It's Miami. It's going to be a 60-40 crowd. There's going to be crucial moments in this game. Finally, show us that you've grown past these mental mistakes where you get kind of get in your own way. I haven't seen a lot of teams take things away from Florida State. I've seen Florida State shoot themselves in the foot in crucial situations in these losses, man. And I think. We didn't see any of that in Georgia Tech. We saw in the first quarter, but it's the first quarter. You have so much time left in front of you, and the team is so horrible. That doesn't really matter. They can't you can't come out of a bye looking that way and make me think that, like, all right, we're, we're crystal cruising awesome. Everything's lining up great. So this game, everything's – this is going to be a huge data point for me. And Sorry to interrupt, Tom. Oh, no. That's, this is a roundtable discussion. Mm. This is what we like Amen. around here. Um, yeah, yeah, again, there's, there's a difference – between playing perfect if they play perfect football they could play with any team in the country this year yeah. that's how much better they are if yes. they play really good florida state football especially on offense i still think they can keep uh, games close with everybody from 1 to 131 they can that's how that's how much better this program is and i think that's why the conversation's kind of changed and the tenor in our voice there have been a lot of years in the last 5 maybe all of them where you're playing in a rivalry game and you feel like something has to go right in order for you to have a chance to be in a game, and then from there, can you win it? Now there's no more of those qualifiers. There's no more preambles. There's no more of that kind of stuff. It's you're better than your two in-state rivals. You're better than Syracuse, and certainly Louisiana is in the mix there as well. So go do it. Go do what you're supposed to do. And that's fun because before the season started, we thought what they were supposed to do was seven or eight wins. Now it's you're supposed to win nine games this season. And you yeah. probably should have won 10 games this season. Yeah, I, I honestly think this is a 10-win team. I think it's a nine or a 10-win. It might still get there if they if they went out and win the bowl game. I mean, but, all uh, of this because of the way they looked against Georgia Tech. Like, this no, is no. crazy to me. I, I think it's uh, the way they looked in the second half against Clemson after that nonsense that happened. I, it's not normal for an offense to put up 480 and 28 points against Clemson. It's just not. And to run for 250 yards against them. Nobody does that. I don't. I know Clemson gets on big leads against everyone. Nobody runs for 240 yards against them. None. So to do that and then come off that and put up 640 yards against a competent defense where you never punt, that to me is what gets me. Because I, I didn't want... in. Because before the Clemson game, all we had to go on, the, the freshest memory we had was the second half against NC State where they didn't score a point. They looked pretty good in the first half. 
then melted down in the second half. So for them to come back from that, obviously had some fourth down issues against Clemson because why wouldn't they? Um, but to score 28 points, left points out there, put up 460 yards, outgain them, and then come the next week and outgain a team by 400 yards on top of what they did before the NC, the, the three-game stretch, I, I see a team that, and I also look around the country, and I look at the rest of the schedule. Like, there's, there, there isn't an NC State defense left. There isn't a Wake Forest offense left. These are all very beatable teams. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I just think that you have, you have the best offense you've had since 2013. You have one of the best offenses in the country. To Tom's point, you got to play situations better. So the total offense, the scoring offense reflects the total offense, right? Didn't you read that stat, Aslan, that like they're 12th in the nation or 14th in the nation in total offense, but 48th in scoring offense? Oh, that's got to jive a little better. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. I, uh, I, so that's all. I, I just think we, we've seen this potential of this team. There are not offenses that look like this, that do this to everyone they face. Running for 300 yards and three, 200 yards in three straight games against NC State and Clemson, or two of them, that's impressive. And then putting up 640 the next week is impressive. Now you go to Miami. I think we all think they're going to run all over Miami because this is what this offense does. They just run over people. And now you have a quarterback you can trust to make plays with his arm. I would be very disappointed if they didn't score 30 points. I don't know the last time I went to a game at Miami where I thought I would be disappointed if they didn't score 30 points. So that's... I think that that's where the bar has been raised, and we've seen the potential of what this team can be. And with four games left and a lot to play for, you hope it's time they put it together. Well said, Tom. Thanks for hanging out for so long, man. You also let had, Tom, had the let great Tom have the last word. I, I it's his segment. I just kind of uh, I kind of hijacked it there at the end. That was you're on a roll, man. It's your guy's show. I mean, it's quite all right. <laughs> um, the last thing I'd say, just to qualify something. I, you know, I wasn't really thrilled with the way the game started against Georgia Tech. The reason I, I, I'm like Corey, the reason I see the potential in this group to do what it's going to do or, or should do in, in our minds in November is about the competition level of what's coming up. Yeah. It's not it's not the meteor schedule. So that influences what I'm saying. And then when I say they can compete with everybody one through 131, I also think it's a down year in college football. And that's where, you know, if they win the nine or whatever it is by the end of the season, this was a gettable year. The, the, the yeah. stack of teams at the top, in the next four or five seasons, I don't know if, if it will ever be as parody laden as this season is. So I felt like there's more opportunity this year to advance than in some other seasons where you're like, Oh, nobody's touching Alabama. Nobody's touching Georgia Clemson. You named a team Florida state in 2013. There isn't that team that's out there, but I'm fired up to watch these next four weeks. And that's the fun part is November matters greatly. So I can't wait to watch what they, what it is the Knowles do in November, because it's, I think it's going to influence the next two or three seasons. I think it's that important. Tom Lang, director of original content for Warchant.com, executive producer of the Jeff Cameron Show. You can watch and listen to him Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, 1 to 3 o'clock right here on Warchant TV, as well as 93.3 FM in Tallahassee, Terrestrial Radio. Tom, thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Always we happy. love you, Tom. We love you.